I'm Aria Schwartz, along with my co-host today, Rachel Gallagher, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover different topics important to the W, using X's and O's, along with key stats to bring honest and critical analysis. This episode, we continue our breakdown of every team's 2018 season with this week being the Atlanta Dream. Rachel, welcome. How are you doing? Hello. I am happy to be here. How's everybody doing tonight? Hopefully well. Uh, <laughs> that we would be remiss if we didn't bring up the WNBA Players Association has opted out kind of uh I guess we should you know break this down a little bit but uh you know they opted out of the CBA it was well expected by everybody and uh, to me this is a long long ongoing story that we're gonna have many episodes on I can sum up my feelings on this into like one or two sentences and basically just say like there is no reason for them not to opt out um as we all know, the WNBA has been growing over the past few years since the CBA has gone into effect. So in my opinion, there's no reason not to opt out. Even if there's only a 1% growth, then that means there should be a 1% growth in what these players are getting. And hopefully we're at a situation where we can give them better travel and uh, health situations. So, I mean, I, I, I just see like, why not go to the, the negotiation table and try and get a slightly better deal at least. Rachel? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, if you're not, if you didn't know that by now, you must live under some sort of rock. Um, but honestly, we we you know we we anticipated it, we expected it, especially if you followed the league this year, um, and you kind of had a pulse on just the tone and the different topics being brought up, and and honestly, really just society as a whole. I think you you know you're seeing a big push um, for women really being vocal and standing up for um, more um, and pushing the envelope a little bit more, which I'm always always going to be a huge advocate for. I'm, I'm excited to see what comes from these negotiations. Um, I've got a lot of questions along with everybody else. And it's, it's difficult for me is all the different ways in which I've analyzed this. It's, it's very difficult because there is such a lack of information. Um, and we can talk about this later, but, but, you know, I, I try to look at it, um, objectively. And there's just a lot of information, a lot of numbers we don't know. Um, and you're seeing a little bit of a disconnect, especially from the players and the league. The players are saying, hey, we don't have this all the information that we need. The league is saying, well, we've provided that or it's not available. And so for me, I'll be really curious as time goes on um, what we in the media or even as fans um, learn about. But it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm in support of it. I'm excited to see what negotiations um, come out of this. And I'm excited to, like I said, push the envelope even further. All right, let's talk Atlanta Dream. Let, let, let's start off with something simple. I want to grade this season. In my opinion, it's an A+. Plus. Rachel? I give it a D-. Is that a joke? <laughs> are you yes, it's a joke. It's a joke. No, I, I mean, I, I think you're probably a little bit crazy. If you, if you give it anything other than an A+, plus or you know, even an, an A, whatever, if you want to be critical, since Aria, you're always so critical. I'm surprised you gave it <laughs> an A+. Plus. No, um, they, you know, we've talked about this. They, they leaps and bounds were ahead of the curve, I got to say. They were. I mean, and, and honestly, you just never know. You know, when you have a team, um, an organization that underwent as much change as they did this year, you know, obviously Nikki Collin coming in, and um, it's, it's a big question mark. Um, this has been a, a franchise that struggled as of late. And so for this turnaround to happen as quickly as it did and um, as fun as they were to watch, um, it, it was it was it was great. It was uh, and honestly, they were right there. You know, they were they were so close 
to making it to those finals. Um, and I, I know we'll talk about that here in a minute. Well, so no, well, I mean, let's talk about Nikki in her first year. <laughs> I, going into the season in, in last year's off season discussions, I remember very much so saying, okay, I don't know what we're going to get from Nikki. I know that she's highly regarded. I have a high amount of respect from her, but this is a roster that she's only had so much control of. And being a defensive minded coach, how can she get these these players to buy into her system? And I got to say, she did an amazing job of that. Obviously, we know she won Coach of the Year, but her ability to withstand injuries left and right. You know, early on in the season, there was some pretty critical injuries. I believe Tiffany Hayes was down briefly. I believe Brittany Sykes was down for a little bit. Um, Angel McCautry obviously went down at one point, and this team still makes it to the semifinals. Their defense was their signature all season long. Do you think defense is something that, I mean, I know the answer to this. It's kind of like a foolish question for me to ask, but I'll I'll ask you it. Do you feel that defense is something that it will be easy for them to transfer on into next year and into, speaking of which, Nikki did get a contract extension. So now we're talking a few more years minimum with her. Um, Is this something that is easy to continue and like kind of be the staple of her coaching career, or do you have to buy into it every day, day in, day out? Yes, to both. <laughs> um, I think um, Nikki is is going to be the coach that that's kind of what she's going to hang her hat on night in and night out. And she's proven that she can get her team and, and staff to buy into that factor. And along with that, uh, we're talking about rebounding number numbers as well. Um, the Dreamer, one of the you know the top rebounding teams in the league, which won them a ton of games, just securing the basketball and, and doing a job on the glass. And so that became their identity. That became um, you know how how they were so successful. And I think that's something that you know Nikki preached over and over and over. Um, is it easy to instill defense? Absolutely not. I think any coach in the world would say getting players to buy into the defensive end of the floor is one of the most difficult things you can do. Everybody wants to go play offense. Um, but sitting down and being able to really have the grit and the toughness to defend and rebound the basketball um, is a difficult thing to do. But I do expect that this will be the dream identity uh, for as long as Nikki Collin is there. Which I hope, because it was fun to watch, and we've talked about it a lot this season, you and I and Pat, how this team, a lot of their victories, first of all, there were lots of close games, but a lot of, which I think really helped them in the playoffs. That's a different story. A lot of these games that they won, really their signature, their, their landmark wins were all their ability to hold their opponent under their season average of points which is a really good feat, especially considering some of the teams they did it to. I mean, we were talking about the highest scoring teams in the league and they were just silencing them. Um, Obviously now let's flip it over to the offensive side of the ball. That's kind of where they struggled. Um, Going into the season, we talked about a need for a three point shot. They kind of answered that. uh, And some of the questions during the season, you know, the whole Laisha Clarendon story, Alex Bentley gets traded for her and they bring her in. And that was kind of a spark plug we were looking for, but, Looking to next season, and we'll get into the roster in a second, looking at next season, what do you think is kind of a a serious need of this team, assuming Angel comes back fully healthy uh, and, you know, everyone's healthy and back at it? I think it's just an ability to really shoot the ball, whether it's just someone who can come in and kind of just be that uh, sharpshooter, whether it is just certain players increasing their shooting percentage. Um, but, you know, just being able to be more efficient beyond the arc, I think, is is one of the biggest needs. Um, 
that they have, um, I, I think that that can easily be increased. Um, you know, I they showed moments throughout the season where they could really put up numbers. Um, it wasn't like they were atrocious or it was a, tra- you know, I mean, they, they could, they could score the basketball. I mean, look at Tiffany Hayes, look at some of the games Alex Bentley had, you know, you could go down the roster. Um, they even had a couple games. I, you know, there were over a hundred, um, you know, in, in up in the, you know, up in the nineties. And so I, I, I don't know that it's a huge glaring, like, Oh, this has to get better because well, let's be honest. They finished second in the league. They ob- arguably had a chance to go into the finals and, really be a, a true contender. And I think they'll be a contender again, but if they could find a way to just be a little more efficient, be on the three point line, um, add in, you know, shooter, uh, that they could really rely on, um, and just recruit, increase those, uh, percentages. I think that, I think that's honestly what they need. That, that's just from my standpoint. I agree with you. I think it's, they have a really interesting roster. I mean, if you look at it, let, let's real quick, let's look at, you know, just for a frame of reference for the fans, um, players who are under contract for next year, fully signed on. Renee Montgomery, Jessica Breland, Angel McCautry, Tiffany Hayes, Elizabeth William, Brittany Sykes, Amani McGee-Staffer, Monique Billings, and Alex Bentley. So that's like essentially the core of their team right there. They have their, they have their starting, like basically they have their starters and their key backups right there. For me, the, a very key aspect of this is having Angel back healthy. Brittany Sykes, at certain points during the season, in my opinion, was the sixth woman of the year. Obviously, I think Cheyenne Parker should have won it. But in my opinion, Brittany Sykes, at certain points, showed that spurt. When you have the injury, Angel McCautry goes down. It kind of put her in a situation that she wasn't able to be someone who just kind of picks up the slack and is that cherry on the top versus she had to be that that consistency, that inside presence. Angel McCautry is a great player, but kind of what you were speaking about she is a maven of paint points. I mean, when you look at her highlights, the majority of them are her doing some insane move, twisting, flipping, jumping, whatever it is, doing all these ballet moves and getting like a nice shot or a, a close layup. But those are plays that are so close in. This team needs people that can shoot it. So that's what I'm looking for in 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 drafting. They have the 11th pick. Let's find us a shooter, someone who can spot up. We saw them look at that in Diedrich. We saw them look at that in um, uh, Maggie Lucas, that's clearly something they're interested in. Is it is it that simple, or is that over? Uh, is that an oversimplification for me to say that that's like the one thing that they want or need? No, I don't think it's simple at all. Um, I think it's just a, a weakness, a glaring weakness. And you could you could even go on, you know, like just to kind of um, continue on about Sykes. You know, I agree with you on your assessment with her. You know, she she's proven to be able to put up points. She's um, I think the way she played, especially towards the end of the year, hopefully, you know, when Angel went down, um, continued to give her a ton of confidence. She's someone who can shoot the ball um, from, you know, beyond the, you know, beyond the arc. And, and her percentages, you know, from 2017 to 2018 were down a little bit. Um, so, you know, just that's just one instance right there where getting her out there, knocking down some shots helps them. Um, you know, and I don't know, you know, just just within the way they play do I feel like they even have to go get somebody? Probably not. Um, I just think it's a matter of being more efficient as a collective unit beyond the three point line, but you know, it'll be, I'll be, I'm, I'm curious to see how they handle it. Um, I'll be curious to see what moves they make. And I think a lot of this kind of lies on Angel McCautry to some degree and how she returns. Um, it's, it's not like we're talking about someone who's, you know, 
in the prime of her career. Uh, the big question mark, how, how much does Angel McCartney have left? And, and let me ask you that. I mean, what, what, what's your opinion on that? that oh, that's a tough one. Um, honestly, I think this year off kind of puts her in the center of her career, maybe a little bit, you know, if I always talk about careers in a sandwich, um, you have your, your beginning couple of years where you're still trying to gel into the league. Then you have not necessarily, it's not broken down by prime, but then you have like that, you know, the meat and potatoes, the, the sandwich meats and the, the, the fillings of the sandwich. And then you have the end of your career as you kind of taper off. I'd say she's in that middle part still. She still has many years to go. Hopefully, God willing, whatever you want to say, uh, she comes back at full strength because I think she can do a lot of stuff. But again, this is a team that really excels in the paint. And I want to see some people really stretch them out to give her more ability to give her more of a chance to get those points. I think it's really interesting because something I've thought about, and I don't know if we've personally talked about this, Rachel, but something I've thought about a lot is why we might see more action and movement in the free agency period uh, or just overall this next season in the WNBA. And I think there's a couple of reasons. One, with the CBA looming, there is going to be some renegotiations of the contracts, I would assume, which means right now you're getting a steal. For any of these young players or for anybody who really is in, you know, an early on contract, right? Or even depending on where they're coming from, you would have to think to a certain extent their contracts are going to be better next year or in two years, excuse me. Um, but also because we saw how close knit this this year was with, you know, the difference between Atlanta and like the number five team or whatever was like three games at one point, I remember. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of teams are more willing to say, oh, if I get this one player, we could jump three spots that easily, just like that. But Atlanta's not one of those teams that I'm looking at and I'm saying, oh, yeah, one trade or one signing. Honestly, I view this team as kind of in in an oddly tough situation where it's like you you really just want one of that right fit to add on to this team. And you're talking about a team that if Angel stays healthy, I think they go to the finals. I agree. And I think you've got, you know, looking at it from a coaching perspective, your core of that group is under contract, you know, and, and you've got everybody coming back again. And, and I think it's, it's kind of a, a luxury. You've you got to feel good about that with what you were able to accomplish this year. What can you fine tune with everyone that you know is going to be returning? And uh, what, what can you maybe potentially have, you know, trade for? Um, who could you potentially sign? That's not necessarily a big time sign. Like they don't have to do it. They're not going to do it. Um, so I think it's a huge benefit. Um, I think we're not, this is probably one of the teams we will see the least amount of movement from. Um, Which is, with Rachel, that's interesting because last year, I mean, they had the two biggest signings of the offseason. Well, besides Natasha Howard, they had the two biggest signings of the offseason in Renee Montgomery uh, and, 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 yeah, of course I can't say it right now, you know, <laughs> Alex, no, uh, not, uh, well, Alex Bentley also, but Jessica Breland, sorry. Um, I mean, those were two of the biggest moves of last year's free agency. They were, and honestly it worked. And so if, if it, again, like you said, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I think, um, I'm just, I'm guessing I, I don't see a ton of movement. Um, I don't think you need to. And I think you just continue to expand on what you did. Um, and kind of see how year two goes under this regime. So I have a question for you, uh, and and this is what I often like to do while we're talking. Something comes to mind, and I blindside you with it, and hopefully you can figure out a nice answer. This kind of this does feed into a question that I want to ask about 
can this team compete with the new style of ball, this upbeat tempo, i.e. Seattle that we're seeing in the league? But the real question I want to ask is, talk to me, put your coaching hat on for a second, Rachel. I know you never take it off, but talk to me about, <laughs> talk to me about getting better offensively, because that's what we've talked about. This team has a solid defense. They need to maybe get a little bit better offensively. Um, how do you get better offensively without reducing that powerhouse of a defense, without without, you know, letting your defense lack, you know, talk to me. Mm, good. Let me just throw a bunch of cliches out there. <laughs> defense wins championships. Your defense fuels your offense. No, I mean, I mean, we could talk for this for hours and, and have All right, so guys, many buckle down. Teams. We got two hours coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I can only speak for myself and just my own experience. And, and I'm very like-minded when it comes to, Nikki and her philosophies and and whether that translates well to the WNBA or not people can debate until the cows come home but at the end of the day you know they they were they they finished second in the league and had a tremendous year and so I you know I and and we've seen it the last however many years uh maybe besides Seattle this year um when it was going back and forth between the Lynx and the Sparks both teams we're in the top two defensively. So it's showing like historically, at least in these recent years that, you know, if you're in that top tier defensively, you're going to give yourself a chance. And I think that holds true amongst any level of, of basketball, uh, whether we're talking about, you know, YMCA league up into junior high and high school. College. I mean, defense is what wins championships <laughs> um, or it can win championships. And if that's an avenue you decide to go down and make your identity and your team about combine that with securing the basketball with rebounds and limiting second chance opportunities. Um, you, I just don't think you can go wrong with that. Now there's a, there's also a mentality out there of like, well, you can't be great at both. You can't be a great defensive team and you can't be a great offensive team. Um, which, you know, you could probably analyze that to a certain extent and, and find some truth to that. But um, no, I, I, I think <laughs> you think you can be great at both. <laughs> Which, yeah, I think no, because I think a lot of the things that make a great defense, I think this is my opinion. And I've never played professionally. I have never played collegiate. <laughs> I uh, like my greatest my greatest contri- contribution to a basketball franchise was getting a bunch of people who left. Uh, varsity basketball to play in an intramural team for me so that we could win championships. I'm a GM. Um, but I would just say a lot of the things that you need to be a powerhouse in defense are the same skills that you need to be on offense, but often people get single focused, so focused on we need to give that effort on defense, they don't give that same effort to get the offensive rebounds. How how many times do we just see people just like give up on offensive rebounds they can hustle back and play good defense? Well, that's one area of the game you could analyze. You could also analyze the standpoint of when you're getting stops and you're really like um, forcing the team into frustrations on the defensive end of the floor, whether it's causing turnovers, getting out and playing in transition, uh, playing off those turnovers, whatever it may be, your defense can greatly fuel your offense, which I think um, happened a lot this year, especially uh, with the dream at times. So there's that other argument too. Like like when you're getting stops, that's going to help you get you know, go down on the offensive end and have that that much more confidence to be able to score the basketball. So, um, I again, I, I just go back to the fact that Atlanta, it's not like they struggle to score. I think earlier on in the season, they struggled at times um, to kind of get that flow offensively. But later on in the season, and I don't have the exact numbers. I'm curious to actually look at that myself. Later on in the season, what was 
they're scoring like versus early on in the season. Um, I felt like to me, just watching it, they got a little bit more in a flow. They started scoring the best one more. Um, they were, you know, like I said, really more of an offensive threat in ways. Um, so I don't know. I'm not worried about it. Um, don't know if Coach Collin is or not. Hopefully I can ask her someday. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm looking at their at their games, and it really does look like uh, kind of to give you some props, which I hate to do, but uh, it does look like, I mean, against the Aces, they drop 109 in like their seventh to last game. They dropped 93, 95, 86, 92. I mean, their worst game was like, their worst game in like the last like, 12 games of the season was a 71 and and that was against the mystics so that tells you a lot um <laughs> but but something i do want to talk about because it was a uh, a talking point of the season as i'm calling her the, the biggest snub um tiffany hayes i mean i think uh, i spoke to you about this before before we started this podcast i think i saw a stat somewhere that like she's one of two players in professional basketball history to to surpass her own stats every season for the first like seven or eight seasons of their career or something like that. I mean, this woman has just every single season taken a, a large step in the right direction. And as I remarked to you before we started recording, in my opinion, she's a top 12 player in this league. I don't know if there's besides maybe like Brianna Stewart, um, if there's a, a, another player in the league playing with a level of confidence um, that Tiffany Hayes is playing with. I mean, you, you, when she when she joined the league back in 2012, you know, she was playing, you know, maybe a few fewer min- minutes a game, averaging around eight and a half points, increased the next year to just over 11, increased after that to right under 13. Then an increase of, I mean, every year her her scoring output has has increased. And that's even with a coaching change. And I think you, you got to credit um, the, the dream coaching staff to, you know, having that confidence in her um, and recognizing what her capabilities are. I think we're going to continue to see her play at an elite level. And I will be shocked if she's not an all-star, all-star next year. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the amount of attention she's getting is just uh, – she got the proper amount of attention. And one of my greatest um, kind of jabs at the voters was Renee Montgomery wearing Tiffany Hayes' jersey to the all-star <laughs> three-point contest. That was – Amazing. I remember seeing her walk down the hallway and I just saw Hayes and I was like, wait a second, she's not supposed to be here. And then I turned the corner, I saw it was Renee and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Um, you you got to love the subtle, subtle statements. The, I love the it. subtleties, yes. <laughs> Last thing, dream underestimated. Do you believe this team, I, we kind of talked about this and we've touched about this, this team surpassed everyone's expectations. I think there's two lines of thought. They either continue because they have that great defense and they continue with that hustle, or they have a sophomore slump, as it were, because this team did, you know, make that leap and bounds. Give me a prediction for next year. Whew, I, I think it's going to continue. I really do. I think we're going to continue to see a, a very similar brand of basketball with, with certain areas really fine-tuned. We're going to continue to see Tiffany Hayes, Sykes, you know, Breland playing at a high level for them. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a certain slump as you see with, you know, a lot of teams at certain times. And it's not like Atlanta really started the year, like setting the world on fire. I mean, they certainly ran into a couple bumps here and there, whatever. Um, but then they really got going, man. And I think it's, it's very feasible that they come out right out of the shoot as one of those top, top three teams 
in the league, um, you know, demanding that their name is up there in contention. Uh, but I, I don't think there will be a sophomore slump. I really don't. My prediction is there will be a lack of respect during this offseason towards this team. Uh, when the predictions come out from the talking heads, they will not be in a top three spot. And due to that, we're going to see a fire in the beginning of the season that we just didn't see last year. And hopefully with uh, with a few couple cool roster movements, uh, we got we got uh, we got something cool. Um, do you believe that this team, you know, assuming they stay healthy, can make it to the finals? Yes. Simply put. And I think they easily, easily could have made it this past season and arguably should have nothing against the mystics, but um, kind of depending on, you know, you could say, well, is, was it, was it because of angel? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but man, that, that was close. I mean, we're talking, we're talking five, a five point difference. So, you, you know, I mean, they're, they're right there and I think they're going to be there again. I think of angel, uh, I think I already said this, but if angel doesn't go down, I see them going to the finals in this, in this scenario. Yes. Elena Deladon will still have her injury. Um, we're changing one thing. We're not doing a whole butterfly effect, but I just, I, I think not only does she bring those five points, but she would have brought a little bit of a confidence that I saw at times the Mystics had because they had players who had been there before. And you're talking about a very relatively young Atlanta team um, that just at certain points was looking around for somebody. And thank you, Angel McCautry, for being on the sidelines, cheering them on and being there. But it's a little bit more when you can actually be on the court. Uh, any closing thoughts on the Atlanta Dream looking at the 2018 season? No, this is one of the most exciting teams for me. Um, you know, and I, I, actually, I want to take it back to Nikki Collin, who has done a tremendous job. And I, one thing I think it's important to note about Nikki is she is a great basketball mind who has been around the game in a lot of different levels, uh, in a lot of different ways. Um, but one strength about Nikki, and I don't think um, this is necessarily talked about as much, but she did a tremendous job hiring around yes. her. With Mike Peterson, Darius Taylor. I mean, you could kind of, you know, go all the way down, even even into to Jess Cohen, the athletic trainer. Shout out to my friend right there. <laughs> but honestly, you could you could go right down the line. And I think Nikki did a tremendous job hiring in her staff. And and when you're a head coach and you are hiring around you, you've got to bring in people that bring in um, really complement your weaknesses. Um, you have to be really self aware. What what are you good at? What are your weaknesses? And bring in people that not just work well with you and you can trust and are, are, are really going to know how to coach these women the right way, but also to compliment you and your weaknesses. And I think she did a tremendous job with that. And shout out to the rest of the Atlanta, Atlanta Dream coaching staff. Oh, I agree. Something that I'm dying to ask her when when we get her back on the show, which uh, we will. So, um, But something I really want to ask her and speak to her about is how, as a coach, players have the opportunity uh, to to really grow their game during the offseason and focus on different elements of their game. How as a coach do you grow your game and, you know, while also having these players or, the, sorry, these coaches around you that you've ID'd as like, that's a weakness of mine. I want to get better at it. But right now, that like, I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like kind of delegating that task and slowly disdelegating it or more, you know what I'm talking about? Like, how do you kind of grow yourself as a coach while still being self-aware? I think is a really interesting topic about coaching that not many people talk about. Probably not. Um, at least if you're not in just that coaching world. Um, I think you see 
just a lot of personal development. You see this, this time of year, a lot of coaches are going around really spending time um, at the NCAA level, you know, whether it's with their buddies, whether it's with um, certain programs across the country. Um, that's not just to benefit, you know, those, those programs, but it's to help the, those WBA coaches really, you know, continue to um, <laughs> gain knowledge and, and, and pick each other's brains. I mean, the coaching world is very small. Um, it's a small community, but it's a very close-knit community. Um, and people are determined to really help each other grow and help each other learn. And so you do, you see this world where coaches do cross over from NCAA to WNBA, all sorts of things. Um, and, and there's a lot of questions asked. There's a lot of personal development that goes on. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, this staff is doing um, the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I got to say that. Rachel, do you have any other points you want to make? I'm good. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. This has been the WNBA Insider Show. I'm Maria Schwartz. That other voice is Rachel Galligan. Each week, different topics important to the W using X's and O's along with key stats. We bring honest and critical analysis.